The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Stallion, this is a, a podcast that needed to be done. We actually bumped it up in the order so that people could hear our opinions. There's a, a memo going on around out there um, from one of the major insurance carriers. Um, we've gotten to not see the memo directly, even though we're actually an agent for the insurance company, but also we represent almost 10 insurance companies. So it's not shocking to me that that maybe it got lost in the mail or whatever. Maybe they didn't consider sending it to us. But what we have seen is the videos, the articles, the, the podcasts that people have done in response to it. And I know that you want to hear as our audience, what our thoughts are on subject matters like this. And we cover what, um, what are insurance companies actually against? What are whole life policies designed to do? What are they not designed to do? And are we concerned about this? Stallion, but the thing I want to point out really quickly, because we didn't get a chance to get there, is that do you believe that as the concept of infinite banking, which is partially of not only designing whole life insurance policies, but then utilizing the, the cash value and the loan provisions within the contracts of these insurance companies, do you believe that people are being deceived that that this is something greater than what it should be? Oh, I totally believe that. Um, not in the infinite banking that you and I know, right? Not in the true sense of the actual strategy, but there are definitely people out there that do not understand this and they're just out to make a dollar. They haven't gone through the they haven't gone through the training. They haven't lived what you and I have lived for almost 15 years now and studied under Nelson Nash himself and, and the practitioners of the think uh, of the Nelson Nash Institute. This there are people out there just trying to make money and they don't actually have anything to back it up. They're just good at marketing. Well, it, we've seen this on our podcast, right? We interview people, they come on, we start talking to them, we start asking them about the strategy that they want to talk about, and they start telling us about how good it is. And and we're like, great, show us how how has that worked for you, right? If it's like, so good, I, you must have a lot of it, right? Yeah, like, man, like telling me all the stories of how this has changed your life. And the ones who start telling us about all the people's life that has been changed, it's like, that's good. But how has it changed your life? Well, I mean, but, um, you know, like we, we created this program. No, 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 no. How has it changed your life? You, my, my BS meter is really high for that kind of stuff. And that's what you, you can find out there in the big wide world is you hear people talking and using the term becoming your own banker, um, infinite banking concept. There's a thousand different iterations of it. You can find out if it's really working by just saying, show me what you're doing. Like, show me how this has built wealth for your family. Show me how that this has reduced the time in which you work. I mean, Stallion, you and I have built a company where we don't have met with the person one-on-one to talk about infinite banking in three years, right? 
it is it has led us to figuring out how do we use these insurance policies to buy more assets to produce more passive income. But yet we knew that it was important that people got the right information. So we decided to to bring on the clients who had been utilizing this at the highest level and say, hey, would you mind and be interested in coaching people on what you did and helping them set up their own systems? And thankfully, we, we have a team of coaches that are amazing that do that. I think whenever people start to dig in, they, they hear things like, oh, well, this is going to create higher lapse rates, which is meaning that these whole life policies are going to be canceled more frequently because that they have big loan balances. And I go, well, I've been doing this since 2009, and our, our lapse ratio, our persistency ratio, which is the percentage of policies that have stayed on the books, is like 99.7 and with one company, 99.8 with another 99.9 with another. I mean, I have not seen it. It doesn't exist in the thousands of policies that we have put in force, but it's because we're doing it right. And there's others out there doing it wrong. So if you're interested in the subject matter, you want to hear our us and our coaches' opinions and thoughts on this subject matter, stay tuned. Jump in. Joey, grab your seat. Let's pull us here up to the table and belly up. Belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them. More importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the bad internet guy. <laughs> no, they actually call me the idea guy. But man, today my internet stinks. I hope it hangs on today, Stallion. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner, He's the Italian Stallion, and he's got the license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joe Murray. Stallion, good afternoon. What's up, brother? All right. It's come to my attention that potentially, supposedly, insurance companies are anti-IBC. So I want to ask you the question, do you believe they are? And if so, why is it important for us to talk about that today? The, answer, the short answer is no, they're not anti-IBC. But number two, the reason why this is important for us to be talking about, because if if any of you, and I'll just put myself in your shoes, I learned about this idea of infinite banking. I learned about how I could build a cash flow system that would not only allow me to create passive income today and freedom for me today, but multi-generational legacy um, system that will now be something I can hand down to uh, my next of kin, my, my daughters, their families. If I had the idea to do this and I had any question in my mind that the companies I was working with were not okay with this, or it was like some sort of a loophole that I was getting away with this, that would make me super nervous, right? Mm. So that's why we have to talk about this because there's a lot of misinformation that's going to lead people to wonder if this is legit or not. And yeah, it is legit. So 
All right, cool. Well, thankfully, you and I are just not the only two here, right? We're sitting around the virtual roundtable. We're joined by the dream team of financial coaches. To my left, I got Mr. Incredible. His superpower is speed of financial freedom, and the real beauty of that speed is it's contagious. My man, J.D. Hill. Say hello to your fans, J.D. Hey, fans, live, too. So that's good. I get to wave at you live. Thank you, Russ and Mark, for waving at me. <clears throat> only two fans here. <laughs> uh, only two. Ernie, get a wave? No? No fan there? Okay. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, man, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm excited to be here uh, from cold... Texas. Uh, we've actually, we're coming off of an ice storm, not snow, ice. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's cold and icy outside right now. Well, you know, we'll keep the, the frozen references to another day, but let me okay. ask you, why is it important for us to be covering the subject in your opinion? It's important because uh, even internal only memos become external memos. And um, we live in a world where everything gets published right? Look at Hillary Clinton. And I actually got a, uh, I actually got an email from a client yesterday, as a matter of fact, asking me specifically, should they be concerned about this memo? Because it was leaked and they received a, they, they looked at a video that was online of talking about this specifically. And we had just put their IBC system in, in place with this specific company. So naturally he's like, what do I, is this, am I, am I in trouble? Should I have not done this? Should I be concerned? Uh, and I said, well, stay tuned because we're going to be talking about this on Thursday. And the short answer is no, you should not be concerned. All right. Well, good. Right. Thank you for hitting that. All right. Let me, let me get around the table here. We got to JD's left, a true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I'd only known him earlier, I'd be so much richer. Said everybody, Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Let's see. Ern. Man, it is good to be seen. Tell me why are we talking about this? Well, and if if I'm hearing about this as somebody who is uh, sort of all in to this concept myself, and I help people who are becoming all in on this concept, and if we start to hear that the companies that we're doing this with might not like it, might start to wonder, well, can they take it away from me? Mm. And if they do that, man, I might have great pause <laughs> about the foundation to my financial system. That's concerning. Totally. And it's, it's important for us to put some of that to bed, right? Or to shine light on the areas that maybe are concerning. Because I, I think there's there's reason for concern. We just need to maybe point out the specifics there. But before we do that, let me get around the table to your right. We got the retiree of the group. Mr. Catch me if you can. He's not killing bears with his bare hands. The spirit out for tuna. He's right here dropping gold nuggets. The one and only Mark Caraguchi. Welcome, Mark. Hello. It's you know not it's not nearly as cold uh, as an ice storm where I am, but uh, it was it was pretty frosty this morning. Uh, we we were definitely below zero. So uh, let's. You guys let's, are going to just have to just let it go, okay? Well, I, with the frozen okay. stuff, just let it go. <laughs> but you know, speaking of warming it up, um, this topic definitely has raised the temperature in the room. Uh, and the reason that I, I think this is important is if you take a page out of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, miss, dis, and mal information. Uh, we've got to be careful what information we're getting. We've got to be careful where that information is coming from, and we have to be careful how we use it. You know, flying airplanes, you have to try to gather as much information as you can when you believe there's a problem or something's going on. Otherwise, you might be taking a path or a course of action without all the facts, without as much information as you can get. So I think this topic today 
is very timely. And I, I think we're going to help people kind of see, take a step back and kind of slow it down a bit. And, and let's, let's walk through some of these, these avenues that are presenting themselves. Brett, well, so what's your thoughts on this? Why, why is this important? Well, all the reasons you said, right? Like, Hey, I want to pass down this stuff to my kids. Is that going to be an issue? Hey, I've been all in on this deal. Can they come take my cash? Right? Like, I mean, when we start thinking about, you know, am I, am I going to be prohibited from taking policy loans? If they don't like IBC, well, isn't IBC uh, utilizing these whole life insurance policies to take loans from them to be able to go do stuff with it? Well, if they're against that, does that mean that they can stop that? We need to talk about that. Uh, what about it? Man, I really like working with JD. JD's amazing. You know, sure. I'd rather work with Ernie, sure. but Russ connected me to JD first, right? So if I'm going to, if, if I if that's my guy, and what happens if the insurance company gets rid of him? You know, I, I think these are all questions that we need to start talking about and bring it to light as it relates to this. Now, here's a here's a if if I could break it down into four points for us, right? I want us to stay as much on topic as we can. I know this is bound to get a little off the rails, but I'm going to try to keep us within the boundaries of these four points. What are life insurance companies against, in our opinions, right? Now, we don't work at a life insurance company. We are agents for different life insurance companies, but we are, we're independent, right? We uh, they they sent us a 1099. None of them sent us a W-2, so we are not employees. And that was very intentional on our part, Joey, because we we were a W-2 employee at one point for an insurance company, and we did not like that restrictive nature. We didn't like the fact that they dictated to us what we could do and not. And we wanted our customers to be able to be able to pick and choose and us not to only have one hammer to sell, right? I, I think that, that there's a point there to be made that a lot of times the, the life insurance agents out there work for one company and you get one company. The second thing I want to talk about is what are these whole life insurance policies designed to do? I'm not going to get into the whole index universal life world. Maybe we will, but I don't believe that that's even a part of the discussion. But what are these whole life policies designed to do? Point number two. Point number three, what are they designed not to do? I, I think we should talk about that. And the fourth is, are we concerned about this memo? Okay. You guys good with that? I'm all in. Let's go. No, right. no cap. <laughs> I'm coming to you, no cap, hat backwards, JD. Tell That's me, it. what, in your opinion, are life insurance companies against? Uh, I think they are against fraud uh, and deceptive sales practices. And so there are knuckleheads in the marketplace that love to misrepresent products. And it doesn't matter what industry in an effort to make a sale to make money. And so <clears throat> coming out of the world of, of working for a captive insurance company, they did a really, really good job um, of, of teaching you about deceptive sales practices and making sure you don't do that. Because as you guys know, working as a W-2 for an insurance company, they'll terminate you for that. Uh, so they wanted to make sure you knew what you could do and what you couldn't do. Uh, and insurance companies, candidly, they're against deceptive sales practices because they want to, they want to protect the consumer. Um, and so I, I think from my perspective, that's one of the biggest things that they're against is, is people committing fraud uh, and deceptive sales practices so they can, they can uh, protect the consumer. Well, I, can I add to that? No. 
Okay. <laughs> yes. Let yes. me know when I can. Um, You're ready. But, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's it's also to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it, is, it is a wise thing. I mean, if someone was out there talking about how Wealth Without Wall Street made all these promises for something that we don't do or that we can't make good on, I would be up in arms about it. I would be I would be shutting down those arguments because we built a reputation that has to be maintained with like trustworthy representation of who we are. And so I I kind of like my heart kind of goes out to the insurance industry when people do mislead, they they use a sales concept to mislead and to to create something that it's not supposed to be. And, and so and to, the company has to protect their own name by saying, hey, we're not going to allow this. And, and to that point real quick, just to, to, to drive that home, in the event of a lawsuit, who are they suing? The agent or the company? The, the company. company. They're, they're suing the company because they exactly. have deeper pockets, right? They're not going after the agent that's got shallow pockets. They're going after the deepest pockets they can go after. Yeah, exactly. Joey, you mentioned something. I, I don't want to miss the opportunity here. You say, you know, my heart goes out to them because they're do, there's information out there that's bad information. Like, would you point out maybe one thing that you see in the marketplace that is bad information that you have seen that you're like, if I was an insurance company, I'd want to shut that specific thing down too. Well, so let's let's talk about the infinite banking concept being used to say, man, if you just finance all of the things that you already buy, i.e. liabilities and expenses, that you will somehow become rich by doing so. This is not going to happen, guys, right? Your cash is not going to just cycle through some other machinery and amazingly grow to be like millions and millions of dollars because you literally funded your whole life through it. Uh, No pun intended, right? It's it's all about infinite banking is about creating value that wasn't there right allowing this third party to stand between you and you have to buy assets you have to create cash flows it's not just about you know paying off a debt and then paying it back with the same exact interest rate and expecting it to be you know magically growing so this is that to me is ridiculously misleading for somebody that doesn't have any idea about how to, you know, take money and create value. They think, oh, if I just cycle money through something, it'll turn into magic. That's not going to happen. All right, Mark, how about for you? What what do you believe the insurance companies are against? With this example front of mind, I would say that they are against things they don't understand. One of the easiest things to do when somebody comes to you with an idea that you don't understand is just to be like, mm, nope, sorry, out, done, don't even want to deal with it. Um, think about what happened back in the day when the earth was flat. People were just told, mm, nope, don't go sailing past the horizon because you're going to fall off the edge, right? But it's once you start to figure out, hey, there's these other things going on and you start being open to hearing what it actually is. Because what, what Joy was touching on there is this is a concept. It's the infinite banking concept, right? So it's a conceptual idea. It's a way to think about what's happening in your world. And the whole life insurance piece is a tool to be utilized in the pursuit of implementing that concept. And I, I, I think where part of the problem is coming in is maybe there are some forces that don't understand what 
some of the original premises of the utilization of that tool. And so rather than be involved in something that they might not understand, it's just easier to come out and make a blanket statement of saying, well, we're not going to do that. And the, the other thing I would point to is it's like making a law and not enforcing it. You can make a law saying, well, the speed limit is 25. How many people drive 25 in a 25? There's a lot of grayness in how that thing is used. And I, I, I honestly think this is one of those things where there it's, it's more of a blanket statement to protect themselves. And there's a lot of things that are happening that they're like, mm, you know what? I don't really see a problem with that, but there apparently was something that came front of mind that they were concerned about, which ultimately led to the conversation we're having today. Ern, how about for you? What do you believe insurance companies are against? Yeah, I see, I see Mark's point, but I also think, I don't think that this, that this talk, that this conversation spreading around our world is not with, not without a valid reason. Right. And, and I think bottom line, what is a company, what does any company not want to do is lose money is, is I think that this is a big part of this. You mentioned lawsuits. Yep. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big money taker. Uh, but also I think the result of, of maybe bad, bad sales practices results in a customer consumer who doesn't really understand what they're getting, or maybe has promised a bunch of things that they don't end up seeing. And, and so then they get rid of the thing that they were sold because it's not doing what they expect. And for an insurance company that has insurance policies going off their books too early, they haven't recouped their cost, and so they're losing money. But then one of the other things that we're hearing is the life insurance companies not liking the rate at which consumers are utilizing the cash value portions of these insurance contracts and creating additional customer service requirements upon their company. And so added expense, there's less profit. And so those are issues that I think an insurance company maybe or insurance companies might for valid reasons be looking at this and mark maybe to your point to a few bad apples saying we don't want to sell things that end up losing us money if you've listened to our show for any length of time you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over fifty thousand dollars a month in passive income but it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. Here's a key. And this isn't new, by the way. I, I remember, I don't know, going back seven, eight years ago, having a conversation at a home office of one of those insurance companies, not this one, a different one, who a lot of the infinite banking practitioners out there utilize as their top company, the company that they say loves IBC, for instance, and then telling me about how they had an agent who was telling everybody about how this concept 
was so amazing um, and you could utilize it in substitute to a checking account. And he said, this person had numerous clients who had done over a hundred loans against one policy in one year. It's like, it broke our system. Our system, what we, we had, you know, whenever the programmers are designing those systems, he's like, we, our system was programmed for it, have the ability to like document a hundred loans ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> ever. And, and this person broke the system because they had policy owners calling up, taking a, with, taking a loan, weeks later, repaying it, days later, taking a new loan. And it was like, it, it, to your pointer, it was not only creating a disaster from a customer service standpoint, because someone has to process, process that loan and facilitate it, but also it became a technology issue. So I do believe that people have, have taken this concept out of context and maybe not really understanding, Joey, to your point of how do you build wealth? So Nelson Nash, the author of Become Your Own Banker, somebody I got to spend and you got to spend 10 plus years with, we we lived in the same city as he did. And he'd stop by our office and he would talk about what banking is. And he would talk about what the thought process was behind the infinite banking concept. And he would say, we've got to recognize that our cost, uh, that our capital, our money has a cost. And that money has to come from somewhere. And wherever it resides, somebody's going to make a profit on it. So why would you not want to be an owner in where that money is pooled? Hence the reason he was such a big fan of mutual whole life, dividend paying whole life insurance companies. Because as policy owners, we are owners of the company. And I believe that people, insurance companies are against people taking hundreds of loans and also people believing that they can maybe make a short-term contribution and then live off of it for the rest of their lives. By the way, that's called annuities. That's the other side of the equation. Insurance companies have two different parts. They have annuities for people who are afraid of, you know, dying too early, right? Um, I'm sorry, living too long and insurance policies for people who are afraid of dying too early. And they literally hedge those off each other. So people are utilizing the wrong tool, mostly because the people who are telling them about it don't quite understand it themselves. So, uh, so, we, so Russ, break this down for us. If they're against these certain things, what was the whole life insurance policy designed to do? What is a whole life policy designed to do? It, why is it that we have amortized mortgages? Why do we have car payments that are, are spread out over six years? It gives us the ability to have a fixed guaranteed payment that then will will end with a death benefit at some point in the future. That's I mean, these these contracts are 200 years old and that's what they were doing, giving a fixed payment. Right. Because when we put money and we get a premium from the insurance company, it tells us exactly how much you pay each and every month or each and every year. And if you do this, right, you you meet your your part of the contract, then we will do this. And whole life policies were designed to provide a guaranteed death benefit with a fixed payment. Now, the beauty of that is, is that 
we have the um, opportunity to innovate, right? And sometimes I, I, looking at this memo and, and, and listening to people respond to the memo, they, people are getting angry maybe that people have innovated around it. But why should we be mad at people who have innovated? We were talking a second ago about cars driving with their knees. Well, crap, there's cars that, that drive for us, right? Aren't we grateful for those who came along and were able to innovate on something that was meant to just give us a drive us? We were to drive from one place to another. How about the people who took a telephone, created a telephone, but then took a telephone and made it where it was portable? And then the person who innovated on that and made it to where you can communi communicate um, via text. And then innovated on that and made it a supercomputer faster than anything that we ever had sitting in front of us. So innovators have come in and looked at these insurance policies and said, well, the fact is these insurance policies were designed to collect a steady payment over a period of years to create a guaranteed death benefit at the end. But there's provisions in there because you're putting money in there at a rate higher than what the cost of the insurance is today, that there becomes equity, like equity in our house. Anybody ever taken a home equity line of credit to do a, do a project, invest? Of course we have. Well, somebody said, well, man, I got equity in my house. I can use this equity as collateral. You know, like what, what's the, the old Christmas, um, uh, miracle on 34th street, right? I mean, you, you got examples of where we were utilizing insurance policies as collateral. You got Walt Disney who took loans against it. JC Penney's who took loans against it to, to help fund their endeavors. Well, these are just innovations in ways that people have used it. In your eyes, JD, what were whole life policies designed to do? Well, um, insurance in general is a transfer of risk, right? Like you're, you're paying a premium to transfer risk to someone else. That's fundamentally what insurance is. It's just a transfer of risk. Um, and you know, when I look at whole life insurance as a, as a whole, right? No pun intended. It it's insurance that's designed to be in force guaranteed when you die, right? You've heard that before. It's 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 uh, insurance that's designed for your whole life. As gimmicky as that is, it is what it is. Uh, unlike term insurance, that's meant to expire before you do. And so again, it's everything you just said. It's it's life insurance that's designed to to pay a death benefit guaranteed at some point into the future. Um, and and so we have to fundamentally understand that that whole life insurance is is in and of itself. It is a contract that you're buying. And I think this is a big thing that so many people don't actually consider is that it's a contract, right? And I, to me, I love that because I love contract law, right? Contracts are super, super powerful. And life insurance is a unilateral contract. That means I'm the only owner, right? It's not bilateral, it's unilateral. And, and that's the piece that I love is that I'm the owner and I control it. The insurance company can't change that on me. And, um, so anyways, that's, that's, you know, from a whole life insurance standpoint, it's, it's a contract and it's meant to pay at some point into the future. Ern, what else would you say that 
whole life policies are designed to do. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with the with the point of it's creating a steady stream of payments that result in a guaranteed death benefit. That's so important. But the thing that I would that I've thought about here is well, with that inside a whole life contract is a guaranteed accrual of cash value. So we've got the premium, the steady stream of payments, we've got the death benefit, but we also have the guaranteed cash value accumulation. And we're talking about how the insurance companies may or may not be against the infinite banking concept. And it's interesting to think, well, what's the issue there? It's it's people accessing the cash value by taking loans, right? But it's interesting to me to think about, well, where did the loan provision come from? And it's there. It's interesting for me to think about in the Great Depression, life insurance companies building in the guaranteed right to take a loan because they did not want insurance contracts lapsing <laughs> because people couldn't continue affording to pay that steady stream of payments without having access to that present value of the death benefit, the cash value. And so they put that in there to keep the insurance policies. <laughs> and now we're hearing some language about them maybe not liking that guaranteed provision that they put in. And so when we think about the infinite banking concept, the thing that the insurance companies, again, may or may not have an issue with is not infinite, is not concept. It's the banking piece, right? And so what is banking? Banking is loans. <laughs> it's borrowing and repaying. And their guaranteed provision of taking loans against these contracts. That's that's what their issue is about. But they've written it in, to JD's point, into the contract. Yeah. Well, I, I think this kind of encompasses both of those points. And I, I want to sum this up. I didn't know if you guys were going to cover this. And I, I want to jump in. So one of the things that people don't know is the only thing guaranteed to grow other than my waistline in the financial <laughs> world is the cash value to the death benefit in a whole life policy. And that is contractually guaranteed. We're trying to get the smallest death benefit possible, right? The government will allow us to do under code 7702 that gives the person to full life insurance companies cash value to not be taxable. Well, that cash value must grow to equal the death benefit. Now we make, decisions along the way to add paid up additions riders. And those paid up additions riders do what? Give us paid up insurance that increase the death benefit, which then forces the cash value to grow to equal that. That's what they were designed to do. They designed it. Somebody may have innovated it, uh, you know, made some innovations to say, oh, well, if I do this, it'll create more cash value. Great, perfect, amazing. You know, the other thing, Ern, when we were talking about what are they um, designed to do, I think we need to talk about what they're not designed to do, right? Like, what are the things in your mind, Joey, that insurance policies, these whole life insurance policies were not designed to do? I, I'll just keep it simple, but it, it's just what you mentioned, having like rapid um, access and uh, repayment like the acting like a checking account is not their intention, right? And and I think that's where they've had this issue where it's causing, like you said, additional costs. It's causing more uh, service, like nightmares and stuff, so on. It was never designed to do that. So I think that's one thing, just simply. No, David. 
What was whole life policies not designed to do? Whole life policies were not designed to help you uh, in your endeavors for money laundering. Uh, they weren't designed to be used as an illegal tool for people, right? They weren't designed to be des- they weren't designed to be funded at ninety percent PUAs and ten percent base. Like they weren't designed to be these gimmicky things that people are out there schlepping today. But that's not the point. They they were designed to be insurance. Like it's insurance that you're buying. You have to understand that. That's what gives you all the things that we love about IBC is that it's an insurance contract. But once you strip the insurance out, you're left with a bank account. And if that's what you want, then open up a bank account, right? But what what these gimmicks that are people are are, are thrusting onto people, and and then we get into these these problems that people are in today, where they think they can use it like a credit card, right? And they already have credit card debt, <laughs> and so they end up you know funding these policies at at some egregious you know ninety ten or ninety five five or whatever it is, and they end up pulling all the cash out, and the policy surrenders. And then they're they're angry because they thought they got something that was going to make them rich, and it's like that's not at all the intent of what these things were designed to do. Yeah, I I, I do get frustrated when I see those those ads, those conversations. And by the way, if if I just put the name IBC on it, it must be IBC, right? Well, that's right. How many times? How many times? A week do we get calls from from people who had quote unquote bought a IBC policy from someone else and show up wondering why it's not doing what they thought it was going to do, why they had never been given instructions of how to properly use it to grow passive income, right? And is not designed to do things that it's not designed to do. And we see that all the time where people don't understand that when you're building cash value, what you're building is equity for the future, right? You can borrow against that cash value. And Nelson Nash had a, you know, he had three rules to, to do in banking, the infinite banking. He said, one, you got to think long range, Right, which is great because you're, that's why he's using a whole life insurance policy that's designed to go to the end of your life. And I'm hoping that's a long time. The second thing he says, you have to not be afraid to capitalize. You, you can't be afraid to put money in. So when we deal with people, we're saying, hey, we're going to put money in these things for a long time. And by the way, that's a really good thing to be able to have money when you're 60, 70, 80, and 90 that you could save, Right. Because if you've been building streams of passive income, I hope that you have a lot more money in the future than you do today. And it's going to need a place to to reside. And the third thing he said is that you must not take money out and not repay it. He, he said, steal the peas was his little analogy. And I think people don't realize that these insurance policies are not designed for you to take max loans and never repay them and for them to keep operating because the loans will, and the interest rate on those loans will exceed your cash value at some point, which will then cause a lapse. That's something they're not designed to do. All right, last point here though. Are you concerned about this memo? Joseph, you're raising your hand, it's a podcast, go ahead and speak. Um, (laughs) I would say absolutely not. I'm actually really excited about this because Although Russ and I are complete morons 
um, we are beggars who have been given a great amount of bread that we're just trying to show people where the bread is, right? And the reality is we figured out how to use IBC to make it work. And there's people like us that will rise from this and actually become the the authority in the space because there's so many people that need to be out of the space. And it takes sometimes an insurance company to come drop the hammer on something like this to make you realize that there's a lot of bad apples out there, right? Just because somebody can open or you know show you the book, become your own banker, does not mean that they can help you implement it. Just because they have a life insurance license does not mean they could help you implement this process. I, my hope is that as a consumer, you will take this and you will say, it matters who I work with. This is not just a, man, I need to walk down the street to my state farm or my Northwestern mutual agent and, and ask them if they can do this for me. It, you have to have somebody that's way further down the road who can share their experience and say, this is how you do it. That's what I'm saying. I, I get excited about stuff like this because it's a disruption. And, uh, you know, people like us who are doing it the right way come out shining on the other side. So, Ern, Joey says he's not concerned about this memo. Are you concerned? Well, I like I like the spin from Joey and I agree with it. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm living on the other side. I am concerned about this because I think there's many people who have made a great start in this concept, who are trying to do the right thing, who are hearing some of this, and it puts them on pause. It makes them second guess, makes them concerned about about rumors that that probably aren't true that would cause them to to pull back from the strategy to at the risk of not gaining as much traction as they could controlling their own financial endeavors or pursuing their own passive income streams from a foundation like this and so I people that I've helped who might hear this and might not listen to this podcast and uh, might might be shrinking back in confidence so yeah I'll go with I am concerned Okay, got one no, one yes. Mark, where do you sit on that? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to join Ernie in the in the naysayer crowd for similar reasons. I'm I'm concerned because people might misinterpret this, and that could lead them to distrust a truly liberating concept. And as with anything, right, information is extremely powerful. And we have to be careful how we use it when it's used. And so, if someone only grabs a snippet soundbite. They're going to stick with the flashy, snippy soundbite. And like you said, they're going to miss the rest because they're going to get lost in the noise. And so what came to my mind was, and this is not an endorsement of it, but let's just use it as an example, crypto. When crypto really kind of first emerged on the scene, what was the standard mantra from the establishment as well as from the powers that be at the time? No, no, no. This is bad, bad, bad. Stay away, stay away, stay away. But then what did we see after a while? After a while, once they kind of figured out what was going on, who were the ones who now made it and were pushing for it to become a commodity? Who started trading it? Who started trying to create their own? 
So once they kind of understood what was going on, they realized they wanted to get into that space as well. And I think this might be one of those scenarios where there is now this pushback on it. And I think there was some legal concern in there. But I think if you can slow down and actually say, well, why don't I investigate that? If if someone doesn't like it and someone does like it, why don't I figure out for myself what's in, what where I should be on this on this spectrum? And to Ernie's point, that will help calm down the noise because I'll I'll raise my hand. If it wasn't for this, there's no way I would have a system in place that allowed me to leave a high six-figure paying job flying people around for 12 days a month. Man, great point. All right. So one no, two yeses. John David, where do you stand? Are you concerned about this memo? Not at all. No, I'm not concerned at all. To me, I, I think this is actually a benefit. I think it's a positive thing, right? And here's why it's a positive thing. They sent this memo out because there are knuckle draggers out there that are causing, that are making a mess. And to me, this memo is is going to clean out those, clean up the, the 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 mess, right? And make room for the folks that are doing it right, like us, to have a much bigger space to play in in this space. And so, to me, I look at this as a wonderfully positive thing. It's it's free marketing for us, right? Because <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they're out there telling telling people about this, so it's free marketing. Right. Anything polarizing is always going to bring marketing right to you. So one, I love that piece. And two, the people that are misusing this and, and being deceptive and misrepresenting it, the carriers are going to kick them out. They won't let them represent them anymore. And so it's only going to leave less for left for us, the ones that are doing it right, to continue to come in and continue to help people the way that we've always helped people and do it the right way. Um, so so no, I think this is an absolutely wonderful thing. Um, for us uh, and, and for the work that we're doing. All right, Russ, what's yours? You got to break the break the tie. No, I'm, I'm going to sit straight up on the fence on this one. I'm going to allow this one to stay both no and a yes. I'm going to give you a no and a yes. Oh, no. you're going to do the third side of the coin? Exactly. That's what, I mean, Kiyosaki says you got to talk about the edge, man. <laughs> let's, let's, let's look at the edge. So here, here, here's my, my opinion on that. No, I'm not concerned. Because you're right. It, what's going to happen is going to weed out the bad apples, hopefully. And to your point, Joy, I don't think there's a lot of bad apples. No more than in any other industry. But there's always bad apples. And they, those jokers get weeded out. And, you know, we, we have a, a prominent voice in the space. We hopefully are shining light in the dark spots for people to be able to, to come to us. That's awesome. But what about the other side of that? I think about why I am concerned. Well, I'm concerned for all the brand new life insurance agents out there who are going to go out and try to talk to their best friend about something. And they're going to watch videos that are already telling them that IB sees a scam, right? I get on a podcast today and one of the first questions a guy asked me is, well, is IBC a scam, right? You already got that garbage out there well, how are they going to compete with JD? How are they going to compete with Ernie and Mark and Matthew and Jamie and Eric, right? How are they going to compete with Wealth Without Wall Street's brand? They don't have the ability to create that information. And if there's more areas out there that are confusing to people, then they're not going to make it. I would I was that guy at one point. So yeah, I'm concerned about that. I'm also concerned for the insurance companies. Why am I concerned for the insurance companies? because I am an owner. Joey and I have 40, more than 40 whole life policies. 
owned 20 different lives with seven different life insurance companies. So yeah, I'm concerned. If people are out there doing it wrong and they're, they're, they're getting sued, that, that creates a problem for my companies, right? I, just as I'm concerned about them, I'm concerned about Wake Up in Birmingham. I'm concerned about, you know, Everland Equity. I'm concerned about all the different businesses that we own. And I realized that those increased lapses that you were talking about, Earn, those can impact the profits. If people are doing this incorrectly, if this keeps people from becoming financially free because they're listening to JD's term knuckle draggers out there who don't <laughs> who don't know what else to do, right? Like, here's the thing is that the best way to understand if the person you're talking to knows what they're talking about is just show me your stuff. Like, show, show me how you're doing it. Show me the wealth that it's creating for you. Show me the passive income that you're building because of it. Show me. And if they can't show you, maybe they just make money selling it. And I know a lot of people that are really good at this, by the way, who know this stuff inside and out. And I would even argue better than I do. Pretty easy argument, by the way. Understand the capital requirements of insurance companies. They can tell you everything. And they've got lots of cash values. And so do their clients. But Joey, the reason we created Wealth Without Wall Street was due to the fact it was, what next? Just having cash value did not solve my problems, did not make me financially free, did not make me have to go to work any less, did not meet the needs that I was trying to accomplish for me and my family. It meant I had to build passive income. It wasn't that, man, I could buy every truck going forward with cash and finance it to myself. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying that was not the solution to having less stress in my life. I didn't have to deal with Wall Street, but I still had to trade time for money. And I'm, I'm concerned for all, all the people who are not knowing what to do next. And if, they, if this was the thing that we say all the time, the number one obstacle to becoming financially free is having access to cash. People just don't have access to cash. And if people hear this, and go the other way, then they're gonna have less access to cash because all the other tools in which they will deal with will have them putting less money in it. And I know that we're way over time. I know this is an important topic. We scratched the surface on what's possible and here's what you can do. You can set up a 15 minute call if you want to. You can go to wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash free call and you can ask deeper questions of these coaches. If you would like to see how do you take active income and turn it into passive income? We've actually given you a free ebook. You can go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. That stands for Passive Income Operating System. It is where we have engaged utilizing the infinite banking concept to creating more than $50,000 a month in passive income. Guys, this has been a great conversation. Thank you each and every one of you for what you do. And thank you for listening to this. Hopefully you found value in it. If you did, subscribe, rate, review the show, and come back. We'll, we'll have more conversations this month and the next couple of months, breaking down different passive income streams at which we are actually doing and can show you if that um, is a, um, an asset class that you should be looking at for yourself. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.